Section 18 of Great Men and Famous Women, Volume 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Claudia Salto. Great Men and Famous Women, Volume 1, by Charles F. Horn. Section 18 by Sir J. Bernard Burke 742 to 814 The birthplace of Charlemagne is unknown, but from various data we may infer that he was born somewhere about the year 742, nearly seven years before his father Pepin the Short assumed the title of king. His mother was Bertha, daughter of Teribert, Count of Leon. Of his boyhood we know as little as of his birth, but he seems at an early age to have mingled in the real business of life, for when only twelve years old we find him despatched to receive and welcome the sovereign pontiff who came to implore his father's aid against the barbarians that threatened rome from the usual habits of the franks it is also probable that he accompanied pepin in his campaigns at an early age but the first time that we really see him in the field is on the renewal of the war with the rebellious duke of aquitaine upon the death of pepin seven sixty eight charlemagne and his younger brother carloman succeeded to equal portions of one of the most powerful european kingdoms bounded by the pyrenees the alps the mediterranean and the ocean but this would hardly have enabled the monarchs, even had they been united, to resist successfully the incursions of the barbarous tribes on the German frontiers of France, which had commenced with the first establishment of the Frankish dominion in Gaul, and which was kept alive by the constant pouring out of fresh hordes from the overpopulated north. The situation of Charlemagne was rendered yet more perilous by the passive enmity of his brother and the rebellion of Hunald, the turbulent Duke of Aquitaine. But, fortunately, Charlemagne had a genius equal to the difficulties of his situation. Though his brother refused to aid him, he defeated Hunald, and no less illustrious by his clemency than by his valor and military skill, he forgave the vanquished rebel. Desiderius, the king of Lombardy, had made large encroachments upon the states of the Roman pontiff, whose cause was taken up by Charlemagne. This led to feuds, which Bertha, the mother of the Frankish king, endeavoured to appease by bringing about a union between her son and the daughter of the Lombard. But Charlemagne soon took a disgust to the wife thus imposed upon him, and repudiated her that he might marry Hildegarde, the daughter of a noble family in Swabia. In 771 Carloman died, 
and charlemagne was elected to the vacant throne to the exclusion of his nephews whose extreme youth indeed made them incapable of wearing the crown in such troubled times gilberga the widow of carloman immediately fled and sought an asylum with desiderius the commonplace of refuge for all who were hostile to the frankish monarch but the attention of charlemagne was called off to a more immediate danger from the saxons of whom the frisons were either a branch or the perpetual alleys had the tribes of which this people were composed been united under one head instead of being governed by various independent chiefs the result would probably have been fatal to france such a day however might come a second attila might arise and with a full conviction of these perils charlemagne when he marched against the barbarians determined to put them down effectually he took and destroyed the famous temple of the ermensum the great idol of their nation that is the hermansaule or pillar of hermann which had originally been raised to commemorate the defeat of the roman varus by that hero though in time the name had got corrupted and the cause of its erection been forgotten the saxons were too wise to meet their powerful opponent in the field and when as often happened they were brought to bay they made a feigned submission and obtained mercy by vows they never meant to keep meanwhile events had been taking place in another quarter that called away charlemagne and obliged him to leave his generals to watch over them the lombard king desiderius had made use of his absence to plunder the papal see to which adrian had now succeeded with some difficulty the pope contrived to give his friend notice of his danger when charlemagne assembled a vast army one division of which he himself led into italy over the alps by mount cenis while the other was conducted to the same ground by his uncle duke bernard over the mons jovis or mount Jew which from this event received the name it has borne ever since of the great saint bernard although surprised by an invasion from a quarter so unexpected desiderius marched out to meet his enemy but his flank being turned he fled hastily to pavia without having struck a blow charlemagne pursued the fugitives but finding the city too strong to be taken by storm he blockaded it with one portion of his army while the other he proceeded against verona having reduced which he returned to the siege of pavia month after month passed till at length easter approached when leaving the city blockaded as before he determined to visit rome in his capacity of patrician or 
governor his march through the italian towns was one of uninterrupted triumph everywhere he was met with acclamations and at rome he was received by the pope as well as the people with the liveliest expressions of gratitude for having freed them from the tyranny of the lombards the friendship then cemented between adrian and his young deliverer lasted through the remainder of their lives without any serious interruption having thus asserted his rights of patrician or exarch charlemagne was liberal in his donations to the church and soon afterward returned to the siege of pavia which it now became important for him to bring to a speedy conclusion the saxons having again taken advantage of his absence to ravage his frontiers about the middle of the year the city surrendered and he was crowned with the iron crown of lombardy he then marched against the saxons defeating them whenever they ventured to make a stand till they found their best resource was in submission it was not long before a fresh revolt amongst the lombards recalled him to their country once more he was victorious and once more he was summoned from his career of conquest to meet the saxons as usual they were beaten out of the field and so completely that many of them seeming to have lost all faith in their gods from repeated defeats presented themselves with their wives and children to receive baptism amid all these fatigues and battles which might appear sufficient to have occupied the attention of any one man charlemagne retained in his own hands the general government of the state the local administration was distributed among twelve provincial officers with the title of dukes each of them having the command of a county subordinate to these offices were the counts who in fact were the judges of the land and had full authority to decide and punish within their jurisdiction to secure the faithful performance of their duties by these dukes and counts certain officers under the name of missi dominici were sent in visitations from time to time to inquire into their conduct in great ecclesiastical questions or those affecting the more powerful vessels of the crown either the king himself or the count of his palace sat as judge spain next demanded his attention that country had been subdued by the arabs but the descendants of the first conquerors quarrelled among themselves and ibn al-arabi a powerful chief sought aid of charlemagne who marched thither and being as usual victorious secured to himself a barrier against the saracens and gascons this was seen with ill-will by lupu 
Duke of Gascony, who, when the Frankish king was leaving Spain to meet fresh dangers on the Rhine, treacherously laid an ambush for his destruction in the gorges of the Pyrenees. The monarch himself was allowed to pass with the first division of his army. The second was assailed and destroyed in the valley of Roncesvalles, and the conquerors, secreting themselves in their mountain fastnesses, presented no object for the vengeance of the indignant monarch. Besides, the barbarians were again ravaging his frontiers under the command of Wittikind, with a fierceness that went far beyond even the worst of their earlier incursions. Their cruelty, however, was retaliated by their almost total annihilation, while attempting to retreat across the Adern, and in the ensuing season Charlemagne reduced them, as it seemed, to a state of total submission. But no sooner had he set out for Italy, whither he was called by many pressing affairs, then Wittikin, the great leader of the Westphalians, started forth from his retreat in Denmark, and stimulated all Saxony to a renewed contest. The time was well chosen. Wittikind, who appears to have been as superior to the generals of Charlemagne as he was inferior to the king himself, gave the Franks a complete overthrow. When these tidings were brought to Charlemagne, he returned in all haste to the northern frontiers. The scene was at once reversed. Cowed by his name alone, they had recourse, as usual, to submission, guaranteed by oath, which they never meant to keep, and by hostages who did not hesitate to incur the fatal penalty attached to the certain faithlessness of their countrymen. But this time the king would listen to no terms short of ample vengeance. He demanded that four thousand of the most hostile and turbulent should be delivered up to him, all of whom he had executed in one day, in order to do by intimidation what he had failed to do by kindness. His severity, however, failed in producing the desired effect. It was not long before the Saxons again flew to arms, when they sustained so signal a defeat that very few of all their hosts escaped from the bloody field. Yet still the spirit of the barbarians, supported by an indomitable passion for war and plunder, continued as little quelled as ever. Wittikind and Albion, their most popular chiefs, still maintained the contest, even when suffering nothing but disasters, until at length their conqueror, subduing them more by policy than by arms, won them over to the Christian faith, which was then embraced by all Saxony. 
this for the time produced a better feeling though the truce was not of long duration hildegardi the wife of charlemagne had now been dead some short time when he married festrada the daughter of a frankish noble it is said that from this union there arose a spirit of discontent among some of the leading men of his nation who in consequence rebelled against him but finding themselves too weak to contend with him dispersed and endeavoured to find safety in concealment they did not however escape their merited punishment being sooner or later taken some had their eyes put out others were degraded from their rank none were condemned to death but all to exile even these severe examples did not prevent the rise of many petty revolts the different parts of which the frankish kingdom was composed not being as yet sufficiently amalgamated but they were suppressed by the united wisdom and vigour of the monarch the short interval of peace now allowed him charlemagne employed in endeavouring to educate and civilise his people he made a tour through his dominions spreading local and general improvement reforming laws advancing knowledge and building churches and monasteries christianity being one of the chief means to which he trusted for the attainment of his grand objects in this he was no less successful than he had before been in war with the exception of the eastern empire france was now the most cultivated nation in europe even rome herself sending thither for skilful workmen while commerce roads and mechanics must have been much advanced as we may infer from the facility with which marble columns and immense stone crosses were often carried through the whole extent of france upon carriages of native construction luxury too with its attendant arts had made considerable strides vases of gold and silver richly carved silver tables brightly wrought bracelets rings and tablecloths of fine linen might be seen in the houses of the nobles the people must have been dexterous in working iron for their superiority in this respect is evinced by the severe laws forbidding the exportation of arms the calm thus wisely employed did not last long charlemagne was soon aroused from his peaceful occupations to put down a revolt of tassilo duke of bavaria as well as a meditated attack upon italy by adelgesus 
the son of the deposed lombard king desiderius who was assisted underhand by the greek empress irene and had besides formed a secret alliance with the duke of beneventum tassilo being seized was condemned to death by the great council he appealed to the clemency of the king who ever averse to shed blood mitigated the sentence into a lifelong seclusion from the world in a cloister adelgesus was met by the duke of beneventum not to assist him as he had expected but to oppose him for the duke had in good time discovered that loyalty was more likely to prosper than treason he therefore joined the army of france under grimwold and in the battle which succeeded the greek forces were entirely routed and adelgesus disappears from the busy scene the empire of charlemagne was next to be assailed by the huns not the same people whose fathers had fought under attila though probably descended from the same stock upon the death of that ferocious conqueror the tribes whom his talents had kept united again sundered shortly afterward a warlike nation calling themselves evars approached the northern parts of europe having been driven from their native country by the turks they spread rapidly acquiring territory and power until they were invited by tassilo to aid him in his meditated treachery they lost more than one battle against the franks but neither their own defeat nor the total overthrow of their ally made any change in their purposes they persisted fought a hard battle and were so utterly routed that they drew back and remained quiet for a while in order to collect their strength before venturing upon a fresh contest with their tremendous adversary who on his part was no less desirous of a respite for the same object little rest however was allowed him no sooner had he beaten back these huns than he had to contend with a new enemy the willitabes a slavonian tribe inhabiting the northern part of germany near brandenburg and pomerania from the elbe to the baltic in themselves they might not have excited much alarm but if they met with only a temporary success their example might have been fatal by rousing the saxons who still with reluctance submitted to the yoke imposed upon them the king therefore without loss of time met and defeated the willitabes when he received them into grace and ever afterward found them faithful having freed himself from this peril 
Charlemagne next found that he must turn his arms against the Huns of Hungary, which appears to have been defended by them after a singular fashion. The whole country was surrounded by nine circles of double palisading, formed of trunks of trees twenty feet in height. The interstices of the palisade were twenty feet wide, filled with stone and lime compacted, the top being covered with earth and planted with shrubs. At the distance of twenty Teutonic, or forty Italian miles, was a second fortified line of the same kind, and thus the circles were repeated the circumference always narrowing till you came to the innermost or ring in which the avars kept all their wealth the accumulation of centuries of rapine such at least is the account however improbable handed down to us by an historian of the day in the outset fortune favoured charlemagne as usual he took the first three of the defensive circles sword in hand, and laid waste the country to the junction of the Raab with the Danube, while his son Pepin had met and routed their army in another quarter. But unhappily a pestilential disease broke out among the horses, who died by thousands, and he was obliged to retreat unpursued however by the avars their surprise and terror not having yet subsided in the doubtful lull that followed a conspiracy was raised against the life and throne of the monarch in which his natural son pepin the hunchback was implicated it was discovered in time and all the conspirators were put to death with the exception of pepin who was confined for life within a monastery scarcely had the king escaped this danger than he was alarmed by news that the saxons had revolted and uniting themselves with the huns had given a bloody defeat to his cousin theodoric close upon this came other tidings of equally evil import in the late campaign against the huns charlemagne had called to his aid his son pepin king of italy who notwithstanding he was himself embroiled with grimbald duke of beneventum did not hesitate to obey to reward this prompt obedience, Charlemagne early in the winter had despatched another son, Louis, king of Aquitaine, to the help of his brother, when the Saracens took advantage of the latter's absence to attack his frontiers, and even penetrated to Narbonne before any forces were ready to oppose them from this expedition they returned home laden with plunder and satisfied with this success remained for a while in quiet charles therefore had a brief respite to turn against the saxons 
and as he had hitherto found all his precautions unavailing to keep them within the bounds of good order he broke up the nation and transported an immense number of the most turbulent to a distance from their own country multitudes of men women and children were dispersed over france and not a few were transported to brabant and various parts of flanders about this time seven ninety three the first collision took place between the franks and the piratical northmen it would be alien from our present purpose to follow charlemagne step by step in his march of conquest and civilization we need only say in general terms that he drove back the arabs reduced the huns became the friend of harun al rashid his only rival in the path of greatness and effectually protected his long line of coast from the attempted incursion of the northmen it is said that upon one occasion he arrived at a certain port just as the pirates were preparing to land but the moment they by some means learned the presence of the monarch they immediately fled in terror at his mere name he remained gazing on the departing vessels while the tears rolled down his cheeks his nobles could not help showing surprise at such unusual emotion in the monarch which being observed by him he exclaimed i weep not my friends because i myself fear these miserable savages but i weep that they should dare to show themselves upon my coast while i am living for i foresee the evils they will bring upon my people when i am dead it was always an object of first importance with charlemagne to support the papal authority as holding out the only means of spreading christianity which he justly considered the most effectual instrument he could employ to enlighten and civilize the world an attempt had been made to mutilate the pope and thus disqualify him for his office by campulus and pascal two disappointed aspirants to the papacy but he escaped from their hands and brought his complaints before charlemagne the conspirators then attempted to justify the deed by accusing the pope of atrocious crimes and the king calling to his aid certain of the roman prelates proceeded to sit in judgment on him the prelates however declared that by all the canonical rules they could not judge their superior and leo therefore was allowed according to an old custom to purge himself by a solemn oath of the crimes 
which had been laid to his charge. Many motives of policy at this time induced the Pope to set up an emperor of the West in opposition to the Eastern Empire. It was Christmas Day when, with the rest of the Catholic world, Charlemagne presented himself in the church of St. Peter. At the desire of the Romans, he was dressed in the long robe of the patrician, and, unsuspicious, it is said, of the honor intended him, knelt at the high altar, but just as he was about to rise, Leo advanced and suddenly placed upon his head the crown of the western world, amidst the popular acclamations, long life and victory to charles augustus crowned by god great and pacific emperor of the romans to end the long-existing feuds between the western and eastern empires charlemagne now proposed to marry irene who having deposed her son and put out his eyes had usurped the throne of constantinople irene herself was not unwilling to accept the offer but she was overruled by a faction and a treaty of peace was substituted for a treaty of marriage but while the negotiations were going on irene herself was deposed by the great treasurer nikephorus who even refused to grant her the smallest pittance so that the degraded empress was obliged to support herself by the labors of the distaff he was however glad to conclude a peace with charlemagne though troubled from time to time by disputes among the neighboring barbarians the frankish monarch might now be said to enjoy peace and while still in the possession of robust health he resolved to prepare for death by allotting among his children such portions of territory as he wished them to possess when he should be removed from the scene both his sons and the people willingly consented to the proposed arrangements which indeed bore the stamp of his usual wisdom and justice but the advanced age which he attained brought with it the usual evils of protracted life he saw his friends and children swept away before him his son louis alone remained to inherit his vast dominions with this single drawback the remainder of his time was as prosperous as his earlier career had been till at length being suddenly attacked with pleurisy he expired after a short illness in the seventy-second year of his age and the forty-seventh of his reign january twenty-eight age fourteen
End of section 18